to I'm 40% Podcast, the Queer Futurama podcast that everybody likes, everybody asks for it, it's super great. Um, this is a very exciting day, it's my inauguration. I was just uh, democratically elected in a landslide to be the producer of the show once again. We're back to the good old days of me being the producer. It's a lot better. Uh, Lady Gaga just finished performing. She sang the Futurama theme song. She was dressed as the Planet Express ship. Uh, my co-host Jinx is here. Jinx, can you please uh, do an impression of Lady Gaga singing the Futurama theme song? No, that's the cranberries. I'm sorry. It is all right. <laughs> um, uh, Jinx, thank you for being here. Uh, how do you feel now that I'm the producer? Do you well, feel like everything is right in the world again? Because that's how I think most people feel. Well, frankly, I think it was rigged. I don't agree with the outcome of the election. You didn't vote. That's not my fault. That's civic awareness a point. I'm calling for. I supporters. mean, you would have lost anyway. I'm calling for supporters anyway. of me to gather. I really, I sealed the Erica Clash vote. Nick's apartment. <laughs> and I don't know about this. At two p.m. today, <laughs> we're no. going <laughs> to take, take the podcast back. No. There's going to be a lot of big changes now that I'm the producer. For starters, we have a soundboard. Jinx, uh, how was your day? I don't know. <laughs> I woke up. Great. Watched the episode. No, and now no, I'm here. What do you that's want it. from it me? It was a rhetorical question. All right. Um, <laughs> more big changes coming up. We have a news segment. But before we do the news segment, I want to introduce our guest for the day. It's a good friend of mine. He's a journalist. He's an author <laughs> uh, and he has his first book out first book yeah first book it's called blood sweat and chrome it's about the making of mad max fury road everybody please welcome kyle buchanan thank you for having me uh Very it's exciting to, to be you. part of the podcast you know listening to the two of you fight in podcast form scares me but being a part of it being your third is very erotic. Really? It's exhilarating, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Well, I'm I into mean, it. I know that there I know it's very divisive, um, <laughs> the way that we openly bicker in front of people. Some people I think take it very seriously because they forget that um while Nick is also my biological son, he is also the same age as me and we're just best <laughs> friends. <laughs> No, when I, I listen, when I listen, it can be a little bit like, "Mom and Dad, stop fighting." But when I'm a part of it, it's more like, "Mom, Dad, keep going." <laughs> um, Kyle, how uh, could you say you... something so brave? <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, uh, you uh, are vaguely aware of Futurama, is that correct? How much Futurama would you say you've seen? Actually, so I saw the entire first season, watched it avidly, and was super into it. And then, I mean, you know, I loved all the characters, mom, the original girl boss. Um, and then ended up in the only college apartment where the guys didn't want to watch cartoons while stoned. 
So I kind of fell off. Um, Who were these people? I know, seriously. Well, what are they doing What did they now? do instead? Yeah, what did they do instead of Ironically, two of them write cartoons, so. Oh. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, and what did they study at school? They've never seen one. They've never seen one. They just write what they think a cartoon might be. <laughs> but since then, I have been kind of catching strays over the, in the meantime because I would watch it mostly with guys I dated or hooked up with who were into Futurama. And I there was a previous episode where Jinx was like, it's kind of the perfect show for that. Like if you're dating or hooking up with someone. And that has been my lived experience. I'm, I gave away all the secrets. I'm married now. And even though we're open, you know, you just kind of inherently settle down a little bit. <laughs> when someone you know change it down but um <laughs> uh i still think that futurama it's like kind of the it's kind of the perfect show to put on in most mixed company situations as well you know it's generally like you know it was made for prime time american television so it's pretty broad, but people who are actually paying attention like get a little something more out of it. Exactly. And I feel like there's different types of animated shows that guys you hook up with will put on. Uh, and I <laughs> apparently am a draw for Futurama gays, maybe less so family guy and American dad gays, but I'm okay with that. No. Oh, thank goodness. You can't put on South Park while right. you're hooking up. You can't put on Family Guy. I like American Dad. Wouldn't put it up when put put it on while I'm hooking up. Here's the reason: at any given moment, there could just be intense diarrhea sounds, <laughs> someone being murdered. Like you can't just have those springing up on you while you're like, you know, mm -hmm. going yeah, down exactly. on someone. <laughs> you don't want it to be too edge lord. You want it to be kind of witty, like post bed banter can be kind of funny. So yeah. it's a good it's a good vibe. Um, Kyle, you wrote a book about uh, Mad Max and not just Fury Road, sort of the whole series. Yeah. Um, have you seen the episode of Futurama that is most like Mad Max, which no, is the one where we Sarah Silverman it. is on it? <laughs> okay, wait, who is Sarah Silverman playing on that? Fry's Fry's girlfriend. Okay. <laughs> it's only like a third of the episode is Mad Max. I know, Max. but but what I'm realizing as we go through Futurama is they will do a parody of something, but that parody will only occupy like one act. It will only exist as like one third of the episode, and they do a Mad Max parody in this episode. It's well, Paul Shore is also in the episode. <laughs> even the episode that we're about to talk about, you know, kind of the real meat on the bone is all in the last third. Like it's a, it's, it's a show kind of like The Simpsons used to be as well, like where it just reinvents itself after every commercial break. <laughs> I hadn't ever thought of it that way. Well, Kyle, you're a journalist <laughs> and uh, this is a perfect segue because we're going into our news segment. It's a new thing because I'm the producer now. News segment, go. Good news, everyone. Kyle, you as a journalist actually broke this news to me. Huge news. Futurama coming back could only happen under Nick Zahoya being the producer. Would never have happened oh if Jinx was the producer. God. It was a one-to-one. -one. I don't know Let when the go. viewers are hearing this, but like it was literally the day after I became producer they announced this. So I think they they we know who the Futurama team is rooting for. Nick, have Thoughts you ever on a seen third, On a third Futurama <laughs> <laughs> third Have you ever Futurama seen the musical Evita? 
Don't cry for me, Futurama. Um, it's what about do we a think? coup. How do we feel about this reboot? How do we feel about this reboot? Thoughts? I, I'm surprised it took this long, like in the Rick and Morty era, for them to unearth Futurama, which kind of was like the OG of this kind of animated show, you know? And also just the fact that it was on ice when everything is getting revived. Sometimes I think they should reach a stopping point for The Simpsons. And then the more realistic side of me is like, how long would it actually stop, though? They'd bring it back after like two or three years. It'd well, be nice, though, to just have a couple years without The Simpsons. <laughs> like if it was ab fab and every 10 years we get a new season, yes. I'd be okay with that. Um, I just like, uh, you know, there's probably something gumming up the works. You know, I was just watching that episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where... He's trying to pull off a Seinfeld reunion and he has to go to each principal Ooh, great character season. and like talk them into it. You know, I imagine there's like Matt Groening, that nerd just going around to like Katie Seagal's house. Like, Katie, we need you, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Matt Groening, groaning, groaning, groaning. Grainy? He was <laughs> He was too busy. He was too busy flying on Epstein's plane. <laughs> Salacious. We haven't talked about that Not yet. Not to get all fracking about true? it, but that's true. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> and that ends the new segment. Going into <laughs> the episode proper now. I'm sort of glad that we had... I like fluffier um, news. That was a bit intense at the end there. That was like... <laughs> just hard yeah. it and moving on. This is what happens when we have a journalist on, Jinx. You've got to get used that to it. That was like if Wendy Williams <laughs> hosted a Futurama news segment. Wait, now I want to see that. <laughs> you know what is funny? It, it, Kyle, I heard someone describe G- uh, Gail Weathers' show in the new Scream as Wendy Williams-esque, and I was like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Anyway, back to Futurama. She'll just whip her, her crowd into a frenzy and then, like, drop a bomb and then go, like, get him! <laughs> I'm glad that we're talking about uh, something other than this episode. This is the only episode so far in this yeah. recap that I did not enjoy. Could you Kyle, tell we were avoiding it. getting I'm, to it? I'm sorry. Really? Well, you know, it's still Futurama, so uh-huh. I still and it's still early Futurama, so there's an excellence to it, but I think I hate Christmas and I think that um some of some of the bits really work, but a lot of it just feels kind of stapled together in order to get this Santa Claus mythology <laughs> up and running. <laughs> um general thoughts on the episode, Kyle. You liked it. I really liked it. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is the first full Futurama episode that I've watched in a couple years. I've been meaning to go back and binge watch it now that I can. And after I watched it, I was so like into the vibe that I just started going back and watching a ton more episodes. I thought, I mean, I'm going to be really curious to hear what you didn't like about it as the Futurama experts, but I feel like there's so many sort of like masterclasses in joke construction, like Lots of rule of three shit. And I just thought it was really funny, clever, and creative and beautifully animated. Oh, the animation's good, as always. Yeah. I mean, there's aspects of it I like. I like the the whole Santa backstory, like how this evil Santa came to be. But in general, I just don't like Christmas-themed 
animated episodes. I like live action Christmas episodes because it's generally a Christmas Carol parody. And it's like some (laughs) member of the family gets to see what the rest of the family would be like without them. And, but animated ones, I don't know. It's like nine out of 10 times Santa's evil. And (laughs) that's the big twist. (laughs) Um, but I, I can't pinpoint what I don't like about this episode. <laughs> so it's, wait, I, I know from reading that this is the first of a couple Futurama Christmas episodes. Where does it kind of sit in the pantheon? Um, I kind of like the anthology one they do later where it's like, it's a Christmas segment and a Hanukkah segment and a Kwanzaa segment. I think I like that just because it's, oh, it's more of an anthology episode. I prefer that. That's completely blacked out of my memory. I I remember the premise. I I couldn't tell you a single thing that happens in that episode. I I think that's the first episode with uh, Kwanzaa episodes. It wasn't the first episode with Kwanzaa. (laughs) Maybe the second. That episode is when Bender becomes Santa. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I believe Santa and the elves, are they not in one of the four Futurama movies? Don't we briefly become Christmas? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll find out. I would say it's, it's funny because this would rank very low on my list of Christmas episodes, but it's the only one with John Goodman as Santa. He does not come back. They got him once. They couldn't afford him after that. <laughs> but he'll do a hundred seasons of the Connors. Well, they're I guess on, I, they're on I, season two, you hater. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading that it was actually like somewhat controversial at the time that the second episode with Robot Santa they had to delay it a year because they thought that sort of depiction of Santa was just like not family friendly enough. Which is wild given, you know, the family guyification of that Fox animated lineup. Like, (laughs) it's so tame. That idea is so tame. Like Jinx said, like, Evil Santa is not the craziest concept in the world anymore. (laughs) But yeah, man. That just sounds like early 2000s Christians, like, being too full of themselves. George W. Bush era. Yeah, we saw Janet Jackson's nipple and then, you know, Evil Santa was too much. Do you think they were like, John Goodman doing Evil Santa, that's pushing it. But John DiMaggio doing a John Goodman impression as Santa, that's going to sneak it by the censors. Yeah, tweak the John a little bit and maybe we can work with it. I'm going to swap this John As long as there is a John, I'm happy. Um, Getting into this episode beat by beat. It is called Xmas Story. There's no cold open. The little Chiron at the beginning says, based on a true story. I would rank this eh, mm, the four out of five. Are a little better than the last your couple. rankings of every little aspect we of the show We open on a snowy now. lodge. <laughs> we open I on a snowy lodge. I rank this professor line. Of- <laughs> Someone must have truly done that, though, ranked every single one of those. Do you know? I would love... I would watch a YouTube supercut where they were in ascending order of quality, funny-wise. Uh-huh. Just like... It would be like a bunch of vines in a row because they would all be like six seconds. You would I... just watch it edging the whole time until you got to the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God, this one's the funniest. They ranked it correctly. And then I come. <laughs> I'm sure there's like Futurama historians. And I mean, besides the fact that it was like a very far reaching show, but I feel like TV show like look how people are obsessing over Rick and Morty and hypothesizing how these timelines fit in together as soon as you like 
create an alternate timeline or they've had to fix the universe more than twice, the nerds like just come flocking to it. Like I've got to figure out all the little, like putting the nibbler shadow in at the beginning is just like bait for those like um, conspiracy theory, sci-fi nerds, you know, the type Nick, you used to like date them, right? (laughs) Never long term. Um, No, you can't. (laughs) Though they will uh, annotate your relationship afterwards on Reddit. So, Oh my God. This is why I'm not on Reddit. Did that happen to you, Kyle? No, I'm just saying, like, that's the sort of vibe. (laughs) Like, you know, people like to engage just like that, like, especially if it's sci-fi. And, you know, pour over it, comb over every theory on Reddit. They'll write fan fiction about your breakup. (laughs) And then, and then, and then a lot of these shows, like, you know, those Rick and Morty writers are reading their Reddit. So it becomes kind of this eating your own tail situation. Yeah. Yeah, because they reference the things the fans are fighting over in the new episodes. And it's like, everyone's watching each other, watch each other. (laughs) We open on a snowy lodge. Conan O'Brien is performing. Uh, (laughs) There's some jokes about his head. (laughs) Like the band leader's head is like a skeleton. I don't know anything about the Conan O'Brien show, so I didn't get it. The point is, he makes one joke. Um, Bender heckles him, right? And then the next yes. thing he says is, well, that's all my material. <laughs> <laughs> and that his head is too big for the, uh, the thing. For the jar. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I may have lost my freakishly long legs in the War of 2012, dot, dot, dot. Um, just some fun little exposition. Uh... I don't know. See, this is the thing is they have this celebrity cameo and it, it just did nothing for me. Normally, I love the celebrity cameos and I don't dislike Conan Was O'Brien. Was that actually Conan O'Brien? Yeah. For sure. Conan well, O'Brien used to be a Simpsons writer. So he's he wrote the monorail episode, Mom. Yes, iconically. Okay. Well, all I'm saying is it's Conan O'Brien. He just walks around fucking like from network to network jumping into shows. <laughs> he just like comes on a coffee break and he's like, oh, I could do that. And they're like, Conan's going to take the next scene. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's annoying a- when he does it on a cartoon, though, because then they have to animate him. Um, they go skiing. <laughs> I like their skiing outfits. Yes, uh, I wanted to say, like, the jumpsuits, very Paul Smith. I would wear, like, <laughs> a lot of these. Amy's was great. Fry's was great. Leela's was great. Please. You Whenever know. they break out of their standard outfits, they almost always look good. And they almost always have kind of like an 80s retro future <laughs> vibe. I loved it. Like, the whole Simpsons Balenciaga thing, like, actually <laughs> set that aside. I'm all about Futurama, like, ski couture. Wait, Simpsons Balenciaga thing? Did you How see How did that? you miss this? Jinx, you watched, you still watch Simpsons and you didn't see Simpsons Balenciaga? I, I, I haven't kept up recently. I binge the new episodes when I'm feeling um, like, you know, like I need to repent. (laughs) Yeah, they like modeled the new season of Balenciaga, right? Something like that. Did they actually do it on the show? I just saw kind of images and clips. I I believe it was a like a 10 minute short that you could watch on its own. I don't think it was part of an episode. (laughs) That's what they're doing now. They're just like, yeah, we're going to do a, a short about Mag- Maggie. It'll get nominated for an Oscar for some reason. No one will see it, but it will be critically acclaimed. Um, they go skiing. 
Uh, Zoidberg puts a glove a over his face about tentacles. Maggie won the Pulitzer. <laughs> did it really? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that. It won an Oscar though, it or did? it was nominated. I don't oh, know if whatever. it won. Um, they're skiing, and uh, Fry's worried about hitting the trees. Uh, Leela says, "Well, you could just say trees down. The trees go down. There's a robot." But voice. what happens if you say trees up? <laughs> like, why would you even <laughs> test it right then, Fry? <laughs> Well, this is the problem with voice-controlled stuff. I remember I briefly tried to make the connect work for my Xbox, and it was just always listening to me when I didn't want it to be listening to me. And then when I, when I said, hey, Xbox, do this thing, it would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. So I could see this happening if there was voice-controlled trees. Two problems I face a lot is if a TV show I'm watching makes a joke about Alexa then they end up telling my Alexa to do shit. And like uh, the other night... Steve Smith on American Dad got my Alexa, like his line in the show caused my Alexa to play some song at volume nine, like in the middle <laughs> of the night. It was like 3 a.m. And all of a sudden, I can't remember the song, but my room is just pounding because of Steve Smith. <laughs> I don't have an Alexa and I find it really strange when I'm over at somebody's house and they just out of nowhere like i've been there for hours and they're like oh yeah uh how old is uh, uh salma hayek hey alexa how old is salma hayek and i'm like she's been listening to us the whole time what has she heard yeah i mean i would have uh, you know used different language you would have like minded your p's and yes. q's a little bit i gotta say i have one in my room and i had one in the bathroom and in the kitchen and i loved it I freaking loved it. And if I was like cleaning and roaming through the house, I would have all three play the same song at the same time. But all my housemates just pointed out how creepy it was to have like a computer listening to you at all times. And then when I started like weighing that against the Instagram algorithm, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, I have to disconnect. And so <laughs> this took a hilarious turn. They're back at the ski lodge. Amy is hitting on a man with a cast. I'm filming this in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Amy is flirting with a man at a cast, but then becomes much more aroused and excited at the prospect of a man in a full body cast. I like that joke. <laughs> Amy's great. Amy's good in every episode. No complaints about Amy. Best fashion. Good voice mm -hmm. actress. Mm -hmm. Funny jokes. You just relate to Amy, don't you? A little bit. <laughs> um, the professor uh, this whole time has been skiing in his sleep. They think he's a really good skier, but he's literally just <laughs> plummeting down a hill on a set of skis. And he wakes up in the lodge finding that he won a gold medal somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and um, now that they're in this snowy cabin, Fry brings up Christmas for the first time. And says, oh, this really puts me in the Christmas spirit. And they, no one knows what he's talking about. Oh, you mean Xmas. <laughs> it's just like he he must be no he says you know christmas x-m-a-s <laughs> oh xmas you're just using some archaic pronunciation of it like how people from your time used to say ask instead of axe <laughs> but fry let me ask you this about xmas <laughs> I would like, I wish I had been paying closer attention in the previous episodes to see if they ever say ask, because I know going forward, they always do say acts. I'm sure they slip up a few times. I'm sure when it's like, I'm sure when it's like, 
you know, when the pentameter, when the iambic is like the emphasis is on the ask, they probably just sneak it in. But whenever they have to really ask someone something, they're like, let me (laughs) ask you. Like, they make a good point to say, like, see, we're still doing the joke. Nick is angrily taking to Reddit to be like, well, in episode nine (laughs) of season one... I mean, that is basically this podcast is why doesn't the chronology of this 10 year old cartoon show make sense from episode to episode? And half of it is that we are just remembering the episodes out of order because <laughs> we're stoned idiots. Uh, they go to chop an Xmas tree. Um, Fry says that's not an Xmas tree. It's supposed to be a pine tree, but pine trees have been extinct for so long. And Fry complains that everything's different as Leela chops down a palm tree. <laughs> Wait, what does he say? He says, <laughs> he says, this isn't an Xmas tree. And they go, what's an Xmas tree then? And he goes, I don't know, some kind of pine or something like that. <laughs> like, he doesn't I don't know, know either. <laughs> some kind of pine tree. <laughs> um, and then when he says everything's so different and Leela uses the laser on the handle. Yes, that's such a good visual joke. Yeah, because yeah, why did you design your laser to look like an axe if you're not going to use it that It's way. great because she, she basically <laughs> cocks the axe. She's about to swing it, but she's just getting it into position for the laser to shoot out the bottom. I laughed. I thought that was great. It's a, it's a good joke. There's things I like in here. Um, the professor says uh, pine trees are extinct, just like your primitive notions of modesty, and then he's naked for almost the entire rest of the episode. Do you know how fine. many times when I'm like going on a, on a walk... If it's kind of chilly, I walk outside and just love to go brisk. (laughs) Thinking of the professor doing that. The professor's kind of great in this episode. Um, It's a good professor episode. Also, pointing out that pine trees are extinct, that will come up later. So if you're a super fan, um, excuse me, in the anthology episode you talked about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, w- I want to say this about the professor as well. Like, mm-hmm. surprisingly, nice tight ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe he's um, getting his steps in or something. Yeah. He, he doesn't seem to exercise a lot, but he is always sort of bustling around the, the Planet <laughs> Express office. Well, we learned from the Titanic episode. Has that happened yet? <laughs> yeah, it was before this. Well, the first Perfect. Titanic episode, not the land <laughs> Titanic. Oh, there's more. There's the, the second first Titanic, Titanic episode. episode, we learned that the professor um, attracts the ladies with his flexibility. <laughs> when the oh, yeah. digger lady says, I like a man who's flexible. <laughs> so I think he's got it going on. We go back to the Planet <laughs> Express office. It always comes um, back to which of these animated characters do you want to I know. Pick? Well, Futurama, oh, we'll like, the conception of these characters is very horny, you know? like. Well, think of who's writing it. I know, but like even, even I'm watching it feeling like very bisexual. Like all of the women, even mom, like their that's, bodies are banging. That's something that's been kind of like um, recurring with guests lately is very queer people suddenly attracted to uh, um, Leela. heteronormative yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> relationship. I don't know what I'm trying to say. You know, they want to fuck Fry Leela. talks about his childhood. <laughs> Christmas experience. He says, my mom used to go buy a big goose for goose burgers 
and my dad would make his special eggnogs, uh, his special eggnog out of bourbon and ice cubes. Um, Fry's childhood is harrowing. <laughs> I feel like we haven't got many flashbacks of it yet, but every time we flash back to it, it's very bleak. I would say that Fry's um, childhood reminds me of my childhood, except there was a father there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, everyone gets Xmas cards except for Leela. She's very sad about it. Um, she goes and she cries and she looks at uh, baby photos from the orphanarium, but all the photos are actually quite sad, so it doesn't make her feel better. Again with the orphanarium. <laughs> um, Fry is sad because Leela is sad. He realizes that he's being a little selfish. He says to himself, I feel like a rat. Here I am whining like a pig all the while. <laughs> Leela was as lowly as a frog. <laughs> <laughs> Fry's not very good with folksy <laughs> colloquialisms. Oh, this comes back to the grasshopper and the octopus, which One is Jinx's favorite joke. <laughs> I believe those were the three animals that Lady Gaga cited as scene study muses for House of Gucci. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I hope Gaga's okay. I know she just got snubbed for the Oscar. Uh, Rudolph, it was so nice rude. of her to come to the inauguration. Is it really I think a she's... snub if you just didn't deserve it? <laughs> Did she deserve it? I didn't see the if film. If we want to talk about I think she's actors like a getting nominated when they don't deserve it, <laughs> Lady Gaga was 10 times more iconic than any of these boring motherfuckers, yes, except agreed. for Kristen Stewart. I liked Kristen. Well, I didn't see any movies this year, so I can't. <laughs> really talk to the performances i just feel like what if she got out acted <laughs> out asked you don't think she had a really good italian accent but what i will say is it what blew my mind is i saw that this year is the first year two queer um actors are being nominated at the same time and i was like Wait a Ooh. second. That made me kind of realize Kristen. how many queer Oscar winners are there. And then I looked it up. There's like five um, male queer Oscar winners and two female queer Oscar winners in well, 94 as we know, years. As we know, Sam Smith was the first gay person <laughs> nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, this year as, it's, it's as uh, they Kristen's, said in their Oscar speech. <laughs> it's Kristen Stewart and Ariana DeBose from West Side Story, which is notable yeah, because nice. usually straight people get nominated for playing gay people. And yeah. this is a year where you've got not just two openly queer people, but they're playing straight characters. We're coming I for your parts, motherfuckers. Yes. I know this has nothing to do with Futurama, but I was just talking about this the other day, and it's just like, when you start pulling at that thread, you're like, wait, how can there only be five queer Oscar winners? Um, I know that there's plenty of movies that the main character is queer, and then you realize that all the good queer characters that have been written have all been played by straight people because they go, that's going to get us the Oscar. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> listen, pull up this thread because I read an Oscar column for the New York Times. But like, I really do think it's rooted in a really outdated idea of like, oh, what a hardship for you to have to like <laughs> kiss a guy. Like what, you what really lengths had won't you go to for your craft? <laughs> you had to gain five pounds and kiss a dude. Give him the Oscar. Um, do you know what Which the Oscars... Which I do every week. <laughs> every week! Without 
Will fail. Um, do you know what the Oscars remind me of? Um, in Portland, in any city, um, there's drag events like within the imperial court system of that city's like participation in the imperial court system. That's a nationwide drag network of advocacy and charity and drag. Um, <laughs> but when you go to one of those events and there's like someone who's being crowned as the new high queen or <laughs> they just tip each other the same like $60. It's like <laughs> back and forth. Everyone goes up with a dollar and tips this person and then that person tips the next person and the same $60 is just being rotated around the venue between these people. That's what the Oscars feels like. No, Was- like in the very <laughs> in the ba- in that kind of like back padding way. So that's why it's even rooted that Gaga didn't get nominated. She, you know, she gave her $60 and didn't get it back. Bender <laughs> <laughs> s- turns on the news. <laughs> I was just going to apologize for taking us on such a long no, tangent. No, I love Oh, it. but thank you for interrupting me getting back on track. That'll, no, that'll this help. Is, I just we're landing... to apologize or I was going to feel bad. <laughs> These are overlapping circles. Futurama, drag, Oscars. Like, we are hitting some bullseyes for people I just today. don't think I accurately described what it's like to watch the same $60 travel. Well, then we'll cut it, Jake. Then we'll cut it out. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Bender turns on the news. Human beings do not know the meaning of suffering yet, says the news monster. And the Tress McNeil news anchor goes, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Morbo. Um, She starts talking. uh, She's doing a special report about... uh, it's called an oil kitchen, I believe. It's like a soup kitchen for robots. Uh, apparently, there's a houseless problem in the robot community. And uh, she says, is there anything sadder? Only drowning puppies, and there would have to be a lot of them. <laughs> is there anything sadder? Only drowning puppies, and there would have to be a lot of them. Um, Do you way- like this uh, this news anchor combo, Kyle? This is one of the best things about Futurama, I would say. Yes, I love it. And this is actually leading into something else I want to talk about, which is uh, <laughs> not to not to jump ahead. But like just the like little voices in Futurama, like the proliferation of gay retail clerks. <laughs> like, yes. I don't know how much gayness there is like to come on the show, but anytime <laughs> Fry goes into a shop or anybody else, the retail clerk is, you know. The gay dog goes off. <laughs> well, there's I, know that, I know that Bender has literal gay dog, so. That's true. Yes, that does come up. Uh, there, there is Randy. This is not Randy, though. This is a different gay voice that Billy West is doing. Um, <laughs> but I li- I agree. I liked this this shopkeeper character. I believe he was also in the underwear buying uh, scene <laughs> where Fried wants to buy the underwear. And, and when it comes to Futurama being gay, and I'm sure you discussed this when you did the first episode, but like literally screamed when there was the Akbar sign in the <laughs> pilot. And I know that's a reference to Akbar and Jeff, like Mac Raining's other thing, but it's like literally like the Akbar sign, like the gay bar in Silver Lake. It's, it's very similar. It's shocking. There was actually Akbar Silver Lake shared a uh, Futurama um, thing on Instagram. I'm not really on Instagram right now. Someone screen capped it and sent it to me, but okay. I did say <laughs> What did you deactivate? No, I just, I only post stuff and I refuse to look at anything or like anything. That's but honestly I, the best way to do it. If I like someone, I will follow them because it's like, well, I don't really care what your content is because I'm never going to see it. Um, I followed you, Nick, before we'd met in person. 
That's true. Um, and Kyle and I were... started bonding because I was watching every season of Survivor. Exactly. And, <laughs> and doing Instagram stories about it. And we started discussing it before we realized we had a lot of mutual friends. That's why I followed you for the Survivor Instagram stories. <laughs> Wait a second. Kyle. <laughs> Kyle, are you Australian? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what is uh, happening to your dialect? <laughs> uh, I am from Southern California. Uh, the Australia not... of the United States. No, no, but truly, when I went to Australia, it's the first time I ever went out of the country, and I was like, God, I'm so excited to go somewhere exotic. It's about as far physically uh-huh. from California as you can get. And then I get there, and I'm like, this is exactly like Southern California. <laughs> Everyone looks like me. Everyone sounds like me. Well, they don't look like me. They all look like Hemsworths. I do what I can, <laughs> but I'm not a Hemsworth. Um, yeah, no, I have a voice that like is impossible to pin down. I have gotten British. I've gotten New York. I got. I was talking I've to. I thought all these things throughout. Yeah, the... yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm no, glad we're them. talking about it because I wonder if the listeners would pick up on that and be like, "Why <laughs> no, they, we gotta explain why'd they get eight people to do this?" One <laughs> Listen, I'm the John DiMaggio of this podcast episode. I can do multiple Man of a million voices. voices. Um, but no, I, I, the first, I, I met Troy Savon once, and we were chatting, <laughs> and he's like, "So where in Australia are you from?" So yeah, even Australians like, get it wrong. Oh no, Troy! Oh, no, no. no. <laughs> well, I, I mean, just I'm to bring it full circle, it. I am watching Australian Survivor right now. I am also so, watching yeah. Australian Survivor. So you know, it's it's about my people. Bender <laughs> is going to the oil kitchen to volunteer. Everyone's like, "That makes no sense. You are not generous." He says, "I'm very generous." Remember that time I donated all that blood? Fry says, "Whose blood?" And he says, "I don't know. Some guys." Some guys. <laughs> And then Fry goes off on his mission to find a perfect Xmas gift for Leela. Yes. So that's sort of our branching paths, our A story, our B story for the rest of the episode. (laughs) Uh, Everyone tells him to come home before dark because of Santa Claus. And we get the backstory of the evil Santa Claus robot. Do you want to talk about it, Jinx? Uh, You're our mom historian. Um. He was created by MomCorp. <laughs> yes, he was. Um, and I I have to wonder if, like, you know, they say it was a malfunction, a, a programming malfunction that set his standards too high, making him think that everyone is naughty and therefore must be punished. Um, like, but if they based him off of Santa Claus, where, where in the Santa Claus mythos does it say, if you're naughty, Santa Claus, like, explodes your house, <laughs> you know? Like, this Santa takes it They didn't so understand far. what the coal was for. They were like, yeah, he puts coal in your house, he lights the coal on fire, you burn because, to death. <laughs> because they use whale fuel now. In the future, they they finally wean themselves off their dependency of coal. <laughs> There are like some evil, mean versions of Santa in our own mythology, right? Like Krampus, 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 but Krampus is separate from Santa. Mayhem Miller on the (laughs) Drag Race holiday special. I mean, Santa was the original kind of like elf on the shelf of like just trying to get unruly kids to be good. So if you're going to kind of like threaten them with Santa, it makes sense that you might want a more threatening version at times. I just think it's a big step 
from coal in your stocking to bazooka, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) but it was, he was created by mom's friendly robot corp. So we know that she is continually trying to take over the world. So they play it off like it was some kind of accident that this evil Santa was created. But I'm guessing mom did this on purpose. Not, it was not just an one accident. of those spiteful not, little things. <laughs> not an accident, an ascident. <laughs> <laughs> at least if it was in season one. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Bender arrives at the oil kitchen. He's not volunteering. He's just there to get free oil. I'm one of those He's homeless robots you've heard so much about. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we are introduced to a recurring character who I love. So there's like a lot of things I do love about this episode. There's a lot of good firsts. We meet Tinny Tim. <laughs> Tinny Tim is a Tiny Tim parody. He is a robot, and one of his... He doesn't have a leg. Like, one of his arms is a crutch. It's a very good parody of Tiny Tim. And he sort of has a Oliver twist moment where he goes up and he wants uh, some booze, but they don't have any for him because Bender drank it all. So wait, in what ways does he recur later in the show? Oh, we see Tinny Tim a lot. It feels so he specific comes up in to non, this. He comes up in non-Christmas episodes. He just becomes a go-to, like, down-and-out robot to be Bender's kind of punching bag to show that Bender <laughs> has no empathy. Bender's which punching is a recurring bag. Joke. They but, need to show that sometimes. You but, know, yes. The point is, like, I've been gotten across. <laughs> he also becomes, like, a friend and sidekick to um, Hermes and LaBarbera's kid and the f- Professor's oh, clone yeah. okay. multiple times. He he just, once he gets introduced to the Planet Express crew, he's in and out, you know? He's one of the only <laughs> recurring child robots, so I think that's why he ends up hanging out with the Professor and Hermes's spawn. I didn't want to call him kids because... That one's a clone. Anyway, we'll get into that in a few episodes. Um, Fry tries to buy uh, gifts. We meet the gay salesperson. Um, He's offered a rocket launcher to help fight Santa. There's jolly-seeking missiles. Fry laughs and the missile almost blows him up. (laughs) Um, And then he goes to a pet store. And uh, my question about the pet store is, why did he not buy Leela that tiny giraffe in a cage? That giraffe was so cool. I wish I could have a pet giraffe. The only thing stopping me is they're very large. Also, one thing that we know about Leela is that she has a pet that yeah. is um, prone to eating other animals. What is Fry thinking? He's a bad gift giver. Maybe that's just not his love language. I'm, I'm bad at getting gifts for people. It's not you're good, I'm good at receiving at. them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm more of a receiving gifts guy. I don't give them. <laughs> no, I would say my love language is uh, like words of affirmation and uh, acts of service. I'll do like favors for people or buy them things. Oh, but so you gifts. literally I'll, know I'll pay these for dinner. genres? Whenever I see that shit on Tinder, it is a left swipe. I'm like, no, I've... you know way too much about this. It just like the zodiac, it has been forced upon me by the society. The I don't believe thing. the love languages that I N J T F. I hate all that NFT. shit. No, I always have NFTs, to look it up. Yes. I always have to look it up. Yes, 
Just and say then, it in words. Don't don't do that shit. And then how <laughs> embarrassed was I when I had to look up N uh N P N no N P N C and I was like, oh no picture, no chat. Okay, well just like are have That's not we, a personality type. <laughs> have we, <laughs> that would be a good personality type. It's actually list, that's my personality that I would type. Laugh. I would <laughs> maybe swipe right. I just love that we have exhausted the ways of saying to people, please show me a picture of you because <laughs> what bothers me is you put it's it and then people will still try and talk to you and they'll just be like huh what why are you talking back to me anyway um (laughs) he is at the pet store he's trying to decide between (laughs) (laughs) no that's asl um he's trying to decide between a parrot or 500 lizards he says girls like swarms of lizards right no Um, okay hold on back it up you're ruining a lot of really good lines he he goes Um, you could get that parrot for 500 bucks or those stink lizards are a dollar each. And then Fry says, girls like swarms of things, right? <laughs> Not- <laughs> I always, it's a Mandela effect. I always thought it was girls like swarms of things. He does say girls like swarms of lizards. I wrote oh, it down. Really? I thought it was swarms of things. And I actually think that's a better line. I wish it, it was that. It is a better line because that would imply that like, multiple times for multiple gifts <laughs> Fry got her a swarm of something <laughs> he decides that the parrot he he makes the right decision at the very last second but the parent uh, it immediately escapes it flies away you think away. that is the right decision i was all in on the electric snail <laughs> I, no i i am on record as saying he should have gotten the little tiny giraffe but electric snail would be better than the parrot i think giraffes he are had so no weird business being in a pet store the <laughs> le- first of all you don't gift someone a responsibility that is not a gift that is a conversation you have with that person yes. beforehand that you can't surprise people with a pet and second Thule. Tuli <laughs> Nibbler will eat that parrot immediately. <laughs> I feel like Fry buying this parrot is the same energy as all the like WeHo party twinks who got a dog in quarantine and now we're just like, oh and fuck, what do I do with like, this thing? <laughs> now they are pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I gotta go home every 12 hours and let my dog out. <laughs> every 12 hours on the dot. <laughs> um, so Fry has to chase the parrot. It is at the top of a clock tower, but it's the future. So it's not an analog clock tower. It's a digital clock, like an alarm clock on your bedside, which is funny because that clock technology has now been completely outdated. You never <laughs> see those kinds of clocks anymore but they have a big comeback in the future. <laughs> um, it really stressed me out when he walked out onto the ledge. I got it vertigo. Was, yeah, it was suspenseful. <laughs> I was scared. And it was also just like, this is not a solution to the problem. She doesn't want this bird. This bird doesn't want to be with you. This bird is happy to be free. You are not a... What's the opposite of clumsy? You are not a like deft person. You cannot walk on this. Like I was... I was very mad at the whole situation. Maybe that's why I didn't like the episode. Just the decision making. (laughs) Just the like obvious comic stakes of you're trapping this bird on a ledge, but it is a bird and can fly away at any time. It will fly away, yes. Oh, Um, fly. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh he's falling there's like a funny play on i feel like in every old movie like they would like be on the clock tower they'd be hanging on to the minute hand and as the minute hand moves it's harder for them to hold on yeah but, but they're doing harold it with lloyd the digital safety lasts i think that's the homage right harold lloyd yes. yeah a silent film star well i know about harold zoid but i don't know about harold uh... lloyd <laughs> Um, so you are it's a getting funny... your spec script ready for this Hulu revival. <laughs> <laughs> we could bring back Harold Zoid. I'd be into it. Um, Do you think is... I could bully my way onto the cast of this new Futurama <laughs> reboot? You could be a guest star. Someone once said that I bullied my way onto um, Steven Universe, and it really hurt. It hurt me really deep. Bullying so now I'm trying, works. Now I'm trying to own it and just bully my way up <laughs> I don't think shows. you bullied. I think you ran a successful fan campaign with a creator who's very emotionally available. And I don't do know that, that David X. Cohen is as open and that. warm as Rebecca Sugar. <laughs> but we'll see. Here's the thing is I didn't run a campaign. I said at one point that I, I guess I might have hashtag make Jinx a gem once, once. I don't know. But the it point is. It worked out. You were good on the show. It's fine. <laughs> the point is, excuse me that queer people have to sometimes like generate their own opportunities because Cartoon Network ain't just doling out roles. Nicki Minaj <laughs> got to be a gem. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> one queer person. <laughs> oh, why not one queer person living in a witch hut in Portland? <laughs> um, so Leela catches Fry as he's falling off the clock. They are reunited. They have a very sweet Christmassy moment. And this was what I really didn't respond to. I this knew <laughs> you were about to say that. <laughs> I hated it. I It's what I hate. Like I like the 30 Rock Christmas episodes. But at the end, when Elaine Stritch and Alec Baldwin are just singing the Merry Christmas song that I've heard a thousand times, I just like, let's skip on to the next episode. We're good. I don't need this <laughs> fucking schmaltz in my comedy. But just wait. You, you're you ready to go to the next episode, but we still have like a fucking huge <laughs> battle coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Santa shows up, it's John Goodman, <laughs> as we mentioned before, and he's going to kill them for being naughty, for not um, being sensitive to each other's feelings. <laughs> and he uh, pulls a laser Tommy gun out of his sack, which was an interesting design choice. Why is it, why is it a Tommy gun? He's not in the mafia. The random things are antiquated. I mean, there is a robot mafia, and they are stuck in the 1940s, but they're robots. <laughs> Do you think they're programmed that way or are they just... Absolutely. Mom's friendly robot company. I don't know what the, like, what the end game was with giving so many robots so many, like, unique personalities. But, like, they're just begging for an uprising. <laughs> and, you know, trends are cyclical. Like, sometimes it takes 20 years <laughs> for something to come back into vogue. Sometimes it takes... Y2K's back. 1,060 years. <laughs> you know? That's true. But well, if you've been you hanging know, on to your Tommy guns, you'd be happy about it. Do you think that the mafioso <laughs> aesthetic has come and gone several times and these robots have just been around since the last time mafia culture was popular? Think about that. Take it to Reddit. <laughs> uh, uh, I tuned out during the Santa Claus chase. 
No, <laughs> that the best part happens during that when. Uh, Please tell Fry, me what you liked about it, Kyle. I want. When I Fry hear and Leela almost die, so they start, well, almost kissing. It was very Attack of the Clones. <laughs> yes, and, like, they were my under shipper the mistletoe. Heart started beating. <laughs> I guess because I I see them do this every week. I was just like mad that it was mistletoe related because they already have excuses to like maybe kiss each other and but don't. I, I love the trope of like, we might die, so we better make out. I'll take that. That's a little different for them. Here's what I love about Fry and Leela's will they, won't they situation is it's not a Jim and Pam situation where every episode we have to watch every teeny tiny little thing that transpires between them, even though I like The Office. So sorry if the Jim and Pam fans out there think I'm reading them. I will say Fry, surprisingly <laughs> a lot less of a toxic male than Jim. That's what, what I have to say about it, but go ahead. I mean, All wait, I'm wait, but is... talk about things you find on Tinder profiles, you know, Jim seeking <laughs> Pam or vice versa. <laughs> Give me ENFP over that any day. <laughs> <laughs> um but fry and leela they like have these moments and then for a long time just won't be worried about each other like they have their own romances fry continually like here and there checks in to let us all know that he's still in love with her but like he doesn't prevent himself from living a life just because he has an unrequited love whereas most shows that depict a will they won't they situation they're both just in agony every day that they're not like finally together and it's drawn out and you it's just like someone just like taking a scalpel and looking you dead in the eyes and just hovering over you for a long time it's so i like this better it's very progressive <laughs> the robots are caroling bender has taken them out caroling i don't understand why they're not afraid of santa does santa not judge robots it seems like maybe he doesn't well because they're not humans right i guess so yeah the <laughs> santa was created to judge humans not robots i buy it although but it doesn't i mean zoidberg is judged nice at the end so Maybe it's organic beings. Exactly. There you go. But does, it, does he judge Bender? Does he? I feel yeah, like he, he does. he judges Bender. Maybe okay. those robots were just like, he, was, he had his hands full. <laughs> well, this is the same mystery as how does Santa go to every house in one night? How is he terrorizing every human in one night? I, I wish I knew. And also, well, rocket like, powered slime makes sense. It really <laughs> seems like he just hits New York and then he's done. <laughs> like, every time they talk about things that affect the whole world, we never really see any effects outside of New York. So, True. typical New York attitude. <laughs> New York Queens think the world begins and ends. You in would Manhattan. know, Kyle. You're from New York. <laughs> you're from Brooklyn. <laughs> um, the homeless robots are. Uh, caroling in front of the Kajigger lady's house <laughs> and she lets them in for a cup of hard cider and they mug her and presumably beat her up <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty scary because they're made of metal and she just seems so frail but i guess with like modern medicine they're she's gonna be okay uh, fry and leela are about to kiss under the mistletoe um, Santa launches his rocket, Hot. but it blows up the parrot. The parrot flies in front of the <laughs> rocket. Um, 
and uh, Bender is so naughty that he distracts Santa Claus. So there you go. He does judge robots. Uh Well, maybe that's just freelance judging, you know? (laughs) Free what? Freelance. Freelance. Oh, okay. Yeah, just on the side, Uh, I'll do a robot judging. judging. Uh Um, It's my job, and it's also my hobby. And if (laughs) if you love what you do, you never have to work a day in your life. Exactly. (laughs) I feel like we skipped over the whole, like, um, the the bit about uh, Hermes and Amy selling. That's next. The gift of the magi. This is something I really like because this is great, dumb Futurama humor. It is a Gift of the Magi parody where um, all of, between Hermes, Leela, and Zoidberg, they have each bought combs for the other person, but each person has sold their hair. We see that Amy has sold her hair and Hermes has sold her hair. I don't know what they're getting paid at this fucking <laughs> delivery job that they can't afford to buy combs. They have to sell their hair like it's Les Mis. But the punchline to it is when they give Dr. Zoidberg his combs, he has purchased hair. <laughs> and he now has their hair. He has their hair on top of his head. And he starts combing it and he says, Finally, I look as pretty as I feel. <laughs> Do you think that this is why they later get a wig bot? <laughs> the wig I thought the wig bot was gonna show up. I was shocked when he did it. They have a wig bot. And the Wigbot is probably one of the, um, it's one of my biggest unanswered questions from Futurama is because we don't meet the Wigbot when he first delivers a wig to one of the Planet Express people. The first time he we does. meet him. He does, he brings it to Fry. No, the very first time we meet him, I think, is in the robot um, insane, insane asylum. asylum. And he's combing the hair that looks like all of the planet express <laughs> see i think i think hair, those episodes but he had, were it doesn't work for them yet i think those <laughs> episodes were were planned to be released in a different order fox famously meddles with the release of shows this happened to firefly <sighs> canonical things were happening before other things so i think that episode was intended to it be before. It keeps me up at night thinking about why <laughs> the Wigbot was introduced first as a background character. <laughs> anyway. Um, Fry and Leela and the robots all make it home, but Santa has followed them. They try and put a big blast shield in front of the chimney, which is huge, but we've never seen it before. Um, Bender is not helping. He's just shouting, use teamwork, which I <laughs> thought was pretty good. Yes. Um, but it's too late. Santa gets inside. Everyone is judged naughty except for Zoidberg, who gets a pogo stick. <laughs> Anyone Thank ever God tried to pogo, pogo stick, stick before? It's yeah, hard. it's stupid as shit. Exactly. As a kid, you're like, this will be great. And then you get on and you're like, what the fuck? You Absolutely imagine not. The, you're imagining, <laughs> oh, the places I'll go on this pogo stick. <laughs> yeah. And you, you jump on it three times and give up because it's a piece of shit. <laughs> Did I never anybody, got more than three jumps, yeah. Did anybody see the new jackass? Because there's a pogo to the genitals bit. <laughs> I, I do want to see the new jackass, but no, I have not seen that yet. You want to see it because I just sold you on it. The only reason... I was already sold. I was sold when Eric Andre was buying the coffee and then the inflatable thing exploded in his face. And then they were like, no, no, we were just kidding. Go back and get another coffee. And then another inflatable thing pops out and he goes flying. It's very funny. Um, I only ever watched the Jackass movies to see Steve-O naked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, are you a Steve-O uh, luster as well? Oh my gosh. 
I'm I'm a Johnny Knoxville luster. Like okay, and so you the, two don't have to fight. That's good. And the silver hair is working for me. Oh, he looks good. Yeah, I'm I saw also... a very funny picture that was um him in sunglasses with his short gray hair, and the caption was Johnny Knoxville is just becoming Jamie Lee Curtis, which I thought was pretty <laughs> good. <laughs> um, I. I also really, really love Eric Andre. Are you telling me Eric Andre has joined the Jackass crew? There's new Jackasses. A new young a new batch of hot of jackasses. jackasses. Yay! <laughs> so you have to go see it now. There's Eric Andre, Eric Andre and Steve-O. Do, do they ever two get comedy to crushes. make out with each other until they throw up? <laughs> That's a little more early 2000s Jackass. Not straight people they go playing there. gay roles again. Where's their Oscar? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Eric Andre might be more fluid than we'd assume. Eric Andre <laughs> that was always the a... vibe I got from the Jackass crew just generally. This isn't Jackass, but you know that like viral clip of the two guys who kiss and then one hits the other one with like a chair? Like, <laughs> no, no, you haven't seen it? Well, no, it <laughs> Google it and then see what sort of uh, weird ads Instagram will serve you after that. <laughs> Um, I was going to mention Eric Andre uh, famously for a sketch kissed past guest of the show, James Adomian. They made out. Where can I watch this? (laughs) I don't know, YouTube. (laughs) I don't know what show it was for. (laughs) I don't know, Pine Uh, or something. (laughs) They're fighting uh, the Santa. Um, They're losing, but then Zoidberg on his pogo stick... I don't know if he's purposefully helping or if he's just destroying things and it worked out. He's just he chops the, car- the Christmas he's got the light. the carefree joy of a child. <laughs> he chops the Christmas light string. It swings down and electrocutes Santa. Um, and they hit him with the Xmas tree. They like use it as a battering ram. And then they close the door behind him and it explodes and everything is happy. Yeah. Thoughts? But- <laughs> well, um, none. Great. Xmas dinner. Um, Bender is cooking as usual. Everyone's excited to eat. He produces the meal. It is the dead parrot. And Fry says, where did you get that, Bender? And he said, found it laying in the street, just like all the food I cook. Um, (laughs) Nibbler eats the whole thing. Fry says, yes, good foreshadowing. Um, Nibbler eats the whole thing. Fry says, oh, the food doesn't matter on Xmas. And Tinny Tim says, I'm so I'm hungry. So hungry. <laughs> <laughs> um, they sing a song. I don't like the song. It's, they do this thing where they sing a song and they change the notes so that they don't have to pay the rights for it. But it always makes the song sound worse. And Katie Seagal is a good singer. And every time Leela has sang on this show so far, they make her sing in this, this upper falsetto register and it doesn't do her voice any justice yeah yeah i agree did you know that kyle that katie seagal um before she landed married with children she was um one of bet midler's three backup singers who would tour with bet midler and then when she got the job bet midler was like where's my background singer (laughs) that's incredible that's almost so on the nose because like there's a there's a not a very long line you have to draw between the two of those actresses, <laughs> I feel like. Yeah, and Katie Seagal um is on I, she I think she provides vocals on a lot of um huh. Bette Midler's early albums. Wow. Before Peg Bundy. Before Peg Go Bundy back and existed. 
Well, that's the episode. <laughs> well, wait, I was going to say, our listeners okay. can't see, but you have really big teeth. They're beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. You, you know, also, like how some people have dreamy eyes, and when they're like talking to I you, you get lost too, in their eyes. But, you yeah. do have those, but I keep getting lost in your teeth. <laughs> yeah, I have a lamp in front of me, uh, and I think it's it's making my teeth look really white and shiny. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, this ring light's helping me out. I, I don't know if like being into big teeth is a thing, but if it's a thing, it, <laughs> it is now. it's not an option on Tinder. <laughs> Kyle, you wrote a book. Yeah, no, I, I got all this that in my profile. <laughs> it's called Blood, Sweat, and Chrome, Mad Max, Fury Road. Oh, the wild, there's a middle part. Um, I was reading it last night. You were nice enough to bring me a copy. I was reading it and I, it's sort of an oral history of the making of the franchise. You have all these interviews, not just with people involved with the movies. You also interview like Edgar Wright and Patton Oswalt and Z-Way, all these uh, cool, interesting people. Um, how did you come to wanting to tell this story about this, this production? Kind of accidentally. Like, you know, my day job is covering movies for the New York Times and when the pandemic started, I was like, well, shit, what am I going to write about? Because there's no more movies coming out. Um, but it was about to be the fifth anniversary of Fury Road. I had heard the craziest stories about the making of it. And I'm like, I bet Charlize and all of them are kind of like sitting at home. Maybe enough time has passed, water under the bridge, but the memories are still fresh enough that I can get them to say, you know, the shit that really went down. I've always been interested in that. Like, you know... Eh, there's so many stories about making of movies where everything went wrong and the movie is bad. And I'm yeah. kind of interested in a story where, God, everything was stacked against this movie, but it turned out to be a masterpiece somehow. So, yeah, so I started reporting on it for The Times and then the book grew out of that. And it's really fun and juicy. If you like Mad Max Fury Road, it's great for you. But honestly, also just if you like you know, any story about how hard it is to make a movie, I don't think there's a harder story or a, a harder movie to make than the one they made. Uh, I have never seen a Mad Max movie until I saw Fury Road. And I really didn't know much going into it, but I thoroughly enjoyed myself. And um, I think it's maybe the most attractive I've ever found Nicholas Holt. He, <laughs> Nicholas Holt is hot right? in that movie. <laughs> I mean, like, he's a conventionally attractive guy, but there's just something about, I mean, like... he's hot as Hank McCoy. He's hot as um, <laughs> the horrible bastard that is the Russian emperor in mm -hmm. The Great. Um, but as that wormy little, <laughs> like, uh, chrome warrior... I, I love a goth boy. I couldn't get enough. He reminded <laughs> me of everyone I was attracted to in high school. <laughs> the War Boys and the War Boys, you know, for being, you know, uh, ridden by radiation are ripped. Like, <laughs> this is actually this is actually a fun little juicy detail from the book. But Tom Hardy was supposed to have his shirt off and actually be naked in the first <gasps> act. And he wanted to keep his clothes on because when he showed up to set and he saw how ripped the War Boys were, <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm not in that shape right now. Um, speaking of Tom Hardy naked, have you seen the MySpace pictures from back in the day? 
iconic. Yes. Jinx, I have mean... you seen these? He has all these thought pictures from like the MySpace days that are scrubbed from the internet, but you can still find them. It's him like arching his back in like tiny underwear and stuff, pursing his lips. Like, oh, yeah. was, was Tom Hardy pulling his the main down. character? Was he Mad Max? Yes, he, was he plays Max. Mad okay. Max in Fury Road. Although um, one of the fun chapters in this is the casting chapter and all the people that almost got it. Like, Army Hammer almost got it. Jeremy <laughs> Renner almost got it. In fact, Tom Hardy read Are with Army Hammer and spit at him. actors? I don't know any of these names. Jeremy Renner is Hawkeye Mom. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I really enjoyed reading what I've read. I got through the first few chapters. The only reason I put it down was because I got amped to watch the movie again. And I've watched the yes, movie and it was good. great. Um, I will say I normally uh, do audiobooks. This is my first time sitting down and reading a paper book in a while. Is there a plan for an audiobook? Because Jinx and I could maybe do it because we both have really good Australian accents and we can do George <laughs> Miller. We can do Charlize. Hi, I don't even know if she's Australian. I'm Mad I'm going to go out a Fury Road. <laughs> <laughs> there is an audiobook. It's cast already. It, they got a ton of people to do it, which is awesome. I can't wait to wow. hear it. But let's also wow. be real. We, we if, didn't get the call. If, if, okay. if somebody's going to do an Australian accent, it should be me since I yes. come by it so naturally. Um, Who are you doing your own sections? Because it no, goes through. I'm not. Someone's it's playing funny. you in the audiobook. <laughs> kind of, essentially. Yeah. No, there's professional audiobook people. And, and since it's an oral history, you know, they have a cast of, I think, about a dozen people, and they're each reading about a dozen parts. So it's more complicated than a normal audiobook would be. And because otherwise, I was like, I'll throw my hat in the ring. That would be fun. <laughs> I've, I've read things before. My voice is all right, <laughs> if mysterious in origin. So. Well, if you um, write another audiobook, please think of me as a voice I actor. Absolutely well. I have been trying to break into the audiobook world, <laughs> it's harder than you'd think. Jinx, are you bullying me into a role? <laughs> Apparently, expressing interest is all it takes to bully people these days. So, um... Jinx, Jinx, I've got to put on my producer hat here. Um, we gotta, we gotta focus. Um, why don't you ask Kyle the questions that we always ask? Sure. Um, first of all, Kyle, who yes. from Futurama would you bang? I mean, the crazy thing is, and I, I guess, you know, maybe other people have said it, but even as a gay man, it would be Leela. Like, yeah, you're like the third person in a row who is otherwise a hottest. gay man, but wants to, you know, and we've all talked about Leela would know what to do with a strap on. Mm -hmm. I'm sure she pegged Sean. Was Sean the saxophonist? She pegged that guy. Uh yeah, I think Sean <laughs> gives me bottom vibes. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because after I watched uh, this episode, I was going back and rewatching the first season. And Fry is kind of, I don't want to say objectified, but you see him in his underwear <laughs> a lot more than you would see a character on a cartoon that wasn't playing that up for comic effect. I'm like, oh, they're kind of like leaning into it a little bit. But yeah. still, Lila. I mean, but, you know, we see everyone on the show naked a lot. Right. In <laughs> this I, episode alone. I, I do think, you know, like Fry is kind of like um, teased out as a little boy toy throughout the seasons. Um, I There's just wonder... parts where he's very objectified. Amazonian planet, they love him. 
I just wonder if no, they don't. Um, I just wonder. They fuck him a lot. <laughs> they only like Kiff. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> they prefer Kiff. They still okay. like fucking Fry. <laughs> the point is, I wonder if someone on the writing team like really related to Fry and wrote like fantasy like. Oh. scenes of like i wish people saw me like this like i maybe i'm a nerd and i'm a little weird but i also have a sexy side to me i don't know well there I is just... that episode later where fry's on jeffrey epstein's plane so. <laughs> i had Ooh. no idea should we stop doing this podcast <laughs> um i had no idea but all i was saying is it's hard for me to think it's hard for me to like not assume that when there's something that seems kind of random but also like like consistent in a show that it's somehow the writers are infusing themselves into the script a little bit or taking real things from their life and like processing it through their (laughs) animated tv series anyway kyle the final question question, your next question is who do you most relate to on the show, who do you most see yourself in? Nibbler. <laughs> <laughs> Next <What aspect>? question. <laughs> just, um, <laughs> just wanting to eat everything. Okay. <laughs> and your final question is, and we already kind of heard from you about this, but are you going to watch more Futurama now? Are you going yes. to binge it? Yes, very much so. I mean, it just already happened organically. I'm excited now because I feel like this gave me the kick in the ass. I need to like just start watching it. And the episodes go by so fast, not just in how they're paced, but they're like 20 minutes each. It's so easy to burn through like three of them without even realizing. Well, it's good that you're starting now because with the new season coming. um, Yes, thanks to me, the producer. Yeah. One to one moment in time. I was the producer uh, and the show is coming back. Good By times time, under yeah. under Nick. <laughs> By the time Jinx has successfully bullied herself into being the scab <laughs> actor that replaces Katie Seagal, I will have caught up. <laughs> Yay. And Kyle, I encourage you and all of our listeners to just watch the whole thing. It's all pretty good. But if you uh, need help navigating the ups and downs of the later seasons, just shoot me a text. I'll tell you which episodes to skip. Okay. Well. Although with the I don't know songs. if I trust your judgment because I like this episode a lot. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, this is the end. Thank you, Kyle, so much. Go buy Kyle's book, uh, Blood, Sweat, and Chrome. Uh, Jinx, you got anything to plug? You doing anything? No. No books. <laughs> Just <Okay>. this. <laughs> All right. Well, keep listening to this. Uh, bright times ahead. Now that I'm the producer again. Thank you so much. Goodbye, everybody. Forty percent podcast. So fun. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>